0: You are listening to the Restoration Nation Podcast. This is episode number 21.
1: Education, collaboration, motivation. You're listening to the Restoration Nation Podcast, the cleaning and restoration industry's premier source for industry news, peer to peer interviews, and inspirational content. Join host Joshua Soloway along with industry leaders. As we take our entrepreneurial journey together, welcome to the Restoration Nation.
0: Greetings, listeners. Thanks for joining us on the Restoration Nation podcast. Our goal is to deliver education, collaboration, and motivation to leaders in the cleaning and restoration industry. We appreciate your time and hope that you benefit from listening to the podcast today. My name is Joshua Soloway, and I am your host. Every episode, we bring on a guest to share with us from their experiences and expertise. Today, we welcome Mr. Gary Wilbers to the show. Gary is a leadership coach, motivational speaker, and business consultant. His company, Ascend Business Strategies, specializes in helping companies establish solid hiring practices along with employee retention plans. And I know this is an area in which many restoration contractors struggle in, so I'm excited to hear Gary's thoughts on the subject With that, let's welcome Gary to the show. Gary, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, Joshua. All
0: right. Well, thank you for joining us here. I know the listeners will be very excited to hear about what you have to teach us about hiring and employee retention. But before we get into the subject matter, I always like our guests to just share a little bit about yourself and and what you're all about, where you're from, and what you do.
2: Well, great. I appreciate being here. I'm a coach, trainer, and keynote speaker, and I can say I was in their shoes before because for the last 25 years I've been an entrepreneur. Um, started out in the mobile phone industry back when we would have called it mobile phones versus wireless industry today, and I did that for 22 years, and then I started about five or six other companies along the way, um, and I really found out that I was not following my true passion. I loved business, and I loved the concept of growing um, and creating that business concept, but I really realized that my true passion lied in, coaching, training, and kind of giving motivation to others. And so I was able to do that in my small businesses as I had created those, but then I decided to take it to a different stage. And um, the last couple of years have been growing Ascend Business Strategies and really putting what I call leadership tools out there, um, because as entrepreneurs we have to be leaders in our industry, we have to be leaders within our company, and then we have to be leaders in our home. Um, so sharing that coaching aspect and speaking really kind of gives me my purpose that I feel like I've really come to be at this point in time in my life. So I'm excited to be on your show today and I really appreciate you having me.
0: Very cool, Gary. Thanks for sharing all that. And, uh, I'm sure your, your experience from 20 something years as an entrepreneur will resonate pretty clearly with everyone listening to this show is even regardless of the industry, whether you're in cell phones or restoration or, or having a pizza shop, I mean, we we all have a similar struggles. So it's great to kind of cross pollinate with other industries and other experiences, just get the best solutions for everyone. So, thank you, Gary. And with that, I guess we'll dive right in. Are you ready to uh, explore the subject today? Yes. All right. So we want to talk about hiring practices, and I'd like you just to define that for our audience because I think most managers, when they hear hiring practices, you'll probably have a bunch of different opinions or definitions floating around. So when we talk about that term, what does it mean to you or how we're talking about it today?
2: Well, first, I'd like to tell you a little story. We had the challenge in our um, company, and it was with my wireless industry, where we were always pretty good about keeping our churn, keeping our employees from leaving us. Um, on that aspect, and normally our we were in the retail industry, so in retail, you know they say it's normally about fifty sixty percent is what most companies run. We ran around thirty percent. I kind of led my industry category among my peers. And then all of a sudden, over a couple years' time frame, we went from leading to actually performing very poorly in it, almost 93% turnover when I found out about it as our company was growing and kind of took that leap from being that small operation to a large operation, went from about 45, 50 employees to about 100, and then we went to 125 and was headed into 150, and we were hitting in the neighborhood of 93% churn ratio, turnover ratio, and when I kind of got a hold of my HR director, I'm like, what is going on? What is happening, and why are we not retaining our people? And we really found out that it came back to our hiring process, and when I talk about a process, I call it success in hiring now, and that's what our process name is, and the reason we call it success in hiring, because it shouldn't be about hiring someone. It should be about having success in that hiring. Because as we all know, it is very costly if we don't hire the right person. They say currently today in several studies that we've looked at, it costs $25,000 minimum when we create a wrong hire, up to $50,000. So when we look at those numbers and we put the wrong person in the wrong position, it doesn't just cost us the lost productivity that we lose from the individual. It could be lost clients. It could be lost business. It could all those other opportunity costs that we forget to figure in, let alone the time that it takes us to be involved to get the right person on the job and then keep them on. Um, so that's why we kind of really ch- changed that phrase, and when we put this into practice, we really realized that it was about success in hiring not just about hiring someone
0: Gary you just scared the heck out of me i think i cringed the whole time you were talking there with the, all the costs involved and we all know it it's just i think sometimes we're afraid to admit it or acknowledge it or i don't know i don't know but it's true hiring the wrong people or not having uh, successful hires as you said is, is extremely costly you know, i just want to ask you know why you know why do you think people or companies especially in our industry don't really focus on this Enough. It seems like an afterthought. You know, everyone wants to work on sales or budgeting or technical training. That stuff's all exciting, and you could see um, the immediate impact on the building. But why do people put off uh, hiring practices so easily?
2: I think two reasons. One is because we think we do have a process. But I'm going to challenge you that really you do not have a process. You have a way to bring people on board, but you really don't have a true hiring practice, and you, you're not terminated in that success in hiring. And number two, sometimes it's delegated off, and maybe now our business is not to the point that I'm taking um, an active role in that aspect. I'll be honest. When our churn rate um, grew that 93%, I was not actively involved in that, and I kind of lost basis with where we're at. So sometimes we're not getting the reports to the numbers that we need. If we're a smaller operator, yes, we see it. But guess what? We know we need a body. We need someone to fill them shoes. We need someone to be able to do that work, so we're going to put them back in it. And that's really what we decided that there had to be a framework, and I call it a framework. And we kind of have an eight-step um, framework. And if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of cover that real quick for you. Um, yeah, please you do. Of? so there's eight overall steps the first thing i'm going to make you go back to challenge and you have to do this within your success and hiring so think about it within that framework the first thing is you either have to create or you have to update your vision mission core values and your goals so you have to most companies have those but how many times do we tie that to our hiring process is the question i have to ask you so when we start linking those positions to your vision, mission, core values, and goals, look what starts to happen. You start asking yourself, what are our core values? What do I want the people that I'm hiring to have those same values? So now, how do I start putting those pieces together? So we link them together. Number three is we're going to have you complete a job essential sheet for each position within the company. Now, this job essential sheet is very similar to what you do what is needed from them to do, what knowledge, what skills, but also what values do we want them to have um, from that aspect. So when we start to identify our core values and our goals, we're able to link those to that each area. So we ask you some core questions of what those job essentials are. And then we tie everything to what we call core competencies. And this is the one that gets most people because we ask you to find decide what are the five core competencies That this hire needs to have to be successful within your organization now I will understand because most of you are saying well my hires have to have a lot more than five and I will agree with you there but what I'm saying is what are the five core that you will not do without you all are in the restoration business so if you have a fire damage do you want someone that is dishonest working in your company that may go through the items that are, you know, not totally discarded and decide that, oh, I'll just keep that item. So maybe honesty is one of yours. Maybe it's customer service. You're dealing with other customers, so they want to have customer service. What's the five core competencies that that individual must have? Number five, then we tie those core competencies to behavior-based interview questions. And this is the one that I will tell you, we really see the biggest challenge is most companies are still not using behavior-based interview questions when they are um, talking to their candidates. We hear people still asking every day, what is your greatest strength? What is your weakness? Tell me about some of your previous positions you have. Instead, behavior-based questions ask Tell me about an opportunity when you had a customer service issue and they were not happy with the work that you provided. What did you do? That's going to give you a totally different answer than saying, you know, well, um, you say you're good at customer service. What do you do in customer service? Well, then they can kind of make up whatever they want. When they have to go back to a specific time or example, that changes the game quite a bit. I'll get through the other three real quick. Six. Gauge your applicants in the interview process by utilizing what we call a hiring filter. It's actually a scoring process. So it allows you from the first candidate all the way to the fifth or tenth that you're scoring them on the same five core competencies. And we really love when people have a team where it's two people, three people within their company are doing the hiring. Because guess what? We become emotionally involved. When we're hiring, we like an individual. We want to see them succeed. So if I have two or three individuals there, it starts to take that emotion out, plus we're tying it back to their four competencies. And it doesn't matter then if that interviewer, because have you ever noticed sometimes the best interviewers are either the first ones or the last ones? Is that really the case, or is it because we had more energy at the beginning, or we were just glad to be done at the end, so we decided that candidate was a little bit better? And then the seventh one is the key is creating a true onboarding process. So the day the new hire accepts the employment, they are within your company, and they start to understand your vision, mission, core values, and goals. And then the last thing we always get into is what we call a 90-day target. Set clear goals for them and objectives, and up to the 90 days, let them know what you expect them to do. Now, we do think you should... Continue that after 90 days, but our process goes from basically getting them on board the hiring process all the way through the first 90 days. So a lot of lot within there, but that kind of gives you a good framework to kind of give you a, why is it it's more than what we think. It's more than just bringing the person on. It's truly about taking them from getting the candidate into us where we get a chance to interview them. So all the way through the process to the first 90 days because the critical moment is day one through day 90 because where we think we're checking them out today with what the unemployment rate is, guess what? The candidate is checking us out also. So I think that's some of the challenges there, Josh. I could go on, so sorry about that.
0: <laughs> no, that's that's great stuff, Gary. I appreciate all that that insight. That's a, that's a lot of stuff to... Um, Digest there, you know. You totally change my uh, perception of what hiring is all about. I thought it was just having someone fill out an application and doing a background check, and then giving them the keys to your truck and say, "Go, go, suck water out of a basement." So, uh, thank you for painting that vision for me. <laughs> but um, obviously, I'm kidding there. Gary, talk, let's let's stay on this process because I think a lot of people, as they listen to you, myself included, have they'll take a step back and be like, really, I I don't have a process for success in hiring. It is just kind of different for everybody or inconsistent. But this really kind of gives structure around this important aspect of running our business, which is getting the right people on the bus, so to speak. So in those eight steps, if you will, maybe talk to me or the audience about when people start to drop off or when in the process you see, hey, this isn't working, or I don't want to take this any further with this candidate. Do you mind kind of walking us through the different filters in your process here?
2: Sure. I think one is you can tell real quick when you identify those five core competencies, let's say honesty is one, let's say customer service um, is another, Um, You can have integrity, whichever word that you want to use there. But when you start to use those behavior-based interview questions, and when you ask them to give you a time or a situation that this happened, and we understand they probably have not been in the restoration business before, but what I want to know is I don't care if they flipped hamburgers. I want to know what did they do at a time when there was customer service. And if a candidate ever comes back and says, well, I've really never had that happen, Well, then that starts to give you a clue right there of how they would handle the situation in real life when it happens to you within your company. So I think that's the key that we really have to get to is behavior-based based off of those competencies because it starts to really let us know, does our candidate have that capability? If they've done no customer service whatsoever, I always tell them, go back to a situation then within your family. And if they, of course, you know, I've had candidates before, well, you know, that's really not happened within my family. Well, okay, you may have not consider it a customer service, but when did you help your family out in that situation? And that's where it really starts to become really identifiable to you as you're interviewing that candidate that there's a wrong fit. Because the core things you want, when you identified those five, those are kind of like must-haves. You know, there's all these other things that we would like to have, Um, But those must-haves, they must have in that interview process. So that's one place that we really see it to come out. The other is within our scoring, we call it a hiring filter. We have you gauge your best team member that you've ever had. And maybe they're not with you anymore. We hope they are for your sake. But your best team member that you had in those five core, and you think back to that um, individual. And then you also kind of scale out the worst team member. And why we have you do that is we have you look at what's the best and worst, and it kind of gives you that medium score. So now you have a number minimum that you will accept. If someone falls under that, let's say in this case, because our grading scale goes from a minus one to a five um, on that aspect, if they fall in, let's say the median score was 19, and you have a candidate that comes in at 50, probably place starts to real quick. I don't have to do a second interview or a third interview with that candidate because they can't even meet up to my minimum acceptable score. Now, you may have a couple candidates that are at 20, and they grade off at the same. Well, that's a great time to bring them back and dig a little bit deeper into what your four, five core competencies are. But I think that's where it comes from. But it also sets up in the very beginning of how you set up what the position is and what you're looking for. So it's going back and looking at that um, however you're out there um, getting your candidates that you're publicizing in the marketplace, you want to make sure you talk about what some of those core values are, core competencies that you're looking for. But I think it really comes out in the hiring filter because it starts to engage, Um And you start taking the emotional side out and you start really listening to what is the candidate saying about what I truly want in the candidate.
0: Okay, no I, I'm definitely fine you, Gary. And I do I, I'd like to back up just a second here, a question about number three and four in your process, the job essential sheet and then the core competencies. The core competencies specifically, is that blanket for your whole company? or does that look different depending on the position, say, a salesperson versus a technician versus a manager?
2: Great question. Yes, it is different for each one. There may be some carryover, some overlap in those, um, but they are definitely different by position. And it doesn't take that long because what we've done is we put a list of 40-some plus together for you, and all you have to do is really look at the list, choose which one fits that aspect, and then you move forward with that. And it works really great if you've got a little bit of a team, you know, maybe you have a manager in that area, and you let them pick their five, um, I just got done doing this with a gentleman that does some creative. He's a creative director for me. And I chose what I thought the five core was, but then I had him choose what he thought the five core was. We had three that were alike and two that were different, and we discussed them. And I, after hearing his point of it, I changed one of mine, he changed one of his And that's how we came up with the five core that we was looking for in his situation. He was already on board, but what I said, now let's look at those five core competencies because then we're starting to tie it to the um, review also. So now we both have the same five um, that we have on that aspect. So I think that's the key. Yes, they do change by each position. And then that job essentials, it's about real quick changing, you know, from customer service, if it's the person on the job site versus the office person, then we're going to change those job essentials that's required. Because, of course, the person on the job site may have to do some heavy lifting. So we've got those essentials in there that they can do um, the task and the responsibilities that are required for each different position.
0: Good stuff, Gary. Thank you. Now I'm going to say, make an assumption here. Let's say people listening get this process set up for hiring, and you're starting to get good people in the door. Talk about a little bit about the retention aspect of it. I'm sure it's easier to retain people if they're the right people and they fit into your your model and your philosophy and your vision, all that thing. But is there a process like the hiring process? Is there a process that you have or work with for Keeping your
2: employees. Yes, I think there's two things there. One, we have to realize that when they've gone through that process, the other thing is now we have to engage them because they've bought into a vision, a mission, maybe even to your goals. So now the key is when they come on board, it can't just be from the hiring process because, like, oh, that's over. Now you have to bring it home to them, and that becomes that onboarding process of what we term the onboarding. So the first day when they show up, you've got to have a plan, not just to finish the paperwork so they get their paycheck, and they spend an hour doing some paperwork, and maybe somebody reviews your company employee manual and then says, okay, John, now we need you to go do X. No, they need to sit down, and you've got to have that discussion of how does those link, those competencies that you had, the mission that you have. how does that link through? And it doesn't take long at all. You know, it could be spending 30 minutes with the president of the company and the president of the company just kind of saying, here's what we do as a company. Here's what we need you to do. Um, And we link them forward. We've got some pieces that allow you to do it. The one thing we really say is set some short-term goals for them up to those first 90 days. Maybe it's the first 30 days you really just let them learn how you do business, um, and you're always going to be shadowing, you know, John, that's the manager um, of doing that, and then trying to have truly a recap because, again, remember what I said earlier is they are checking us out as much as we are checking them out. To get them engaged, and in a, a 2018 survey, they said two-thirds of all employees are disengaged. Disengaged, that means you, out of every three, you only have one person that's really engaged in what you're doing in your marketplace. Think if you can change that just by another one-third, and you bring up that your marketplace is two-thirds engaged, 66% of your people are engaged. You've got six or seven people on the bus versus having three people on the bus. What would happen to productivity? So what I always get, people come to us and they say, well, that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time, but what takes a lot of time if they're disengaged? You're trying to always get them back on center, right? You're trying to get them back to do the work that you set them up to do. So the thing we always say is if you take a little more time after the process, that day they come on board up to that next 90 days and get them engaged in the process, and you can't stop after 90 days, but the thing is that first ninety days some so crucial because if not, guess what they're going to do? If they don't get a good experience on their first day, do you know what candidates do when they go home? The majority they complain
0: them, or they look for new jobs?
2: <laughs> they start looking for a new job. Day one, it's in steadies. Day one, if they don't feel good and connected to the organization, they go home and they start the same process of how they found your organization. And they start looking that day. And guess what? What happens if they stay with you six months or 12 months? Do you have an engaged employee? No. No. They're just there because they're going to collect the paycheck maybe before they move on. Now, some will leave right off, but the majority will say, well, I'll collect this paycheck and I'll be here, but I'm disengaged. So if we change that process and we get them engaged in that first 90 days that they're with us, guess what that changes? It changes that loyalty factor and you'll see someone that maybe would have only stayed with you six months or three months till they found the next position, you may keep them a year. You may keep them three years, five years. The day of having an employee forever, they're probably gone. You can find some. But the key is if in your industry it's three years, I can tell you in retail, they told us it was nine to 15 months max that we could keep them. We've got to keep our employees when we put the process in up to three to five years and that was in wow. retail sales i think that made a so it's definitely to the bottom line yeah.
0: yeah yeah definitely something to be said the process and and having a sense of urgency around this topic it's shouldn't be taken lightly and and uh needs to be handled with a sense of urgency like i just said no thanks gary for all that information we do we are running short on time here i i want to kind of leave the floor open for you to summarize what we've talked about here. If you have any last thoughts that you want our audience to uh, think about, what else do you have for us?
2: Well, the biggest thing is think about your process and create a framework. And it doesn't have to be exactly like ours. You may think that's too intense, um, we're in the process of putting this out so people can follow a process if you want. And there's information. And you said Joshua, you'll make some of that known to the um, people because I know it's hard to realize each eight of those steps that I went through if you were because a lot of times I'll listen to post when we're running um, on that aspect. I know you said you'll put up, but think about the process and think about what the candidate wants versus what you always want. And when we start to change that around and we start seeing, guess what, to be engaged, it takes, they need more information. They want to know how does the company make money. Um, So as you start to put that together, think from their side of the point as well as yours. And if you put those two together, that's when you really get some really good synergy. Um, So I think anyone can do it. Um, I, I may have made it sound a lot harder than it is. It's really just thinking through the process. Uh, when I bring someone in, it's more than just about interviewing and bring them on. It's also about once they are on, what am I going to do to keep them engaged in our company?
0: Thanks, Gary. As you were saying all that, I thought of all the parallels to different departments in the company, parallels to sales, parallels to customer service. Uh, it's just like you got to put effort into your customers. How are you going to keep them engaged? How are you going to keep them with a favorable opinion about you and keep using your services. It's very similar with employees as well. Would you agree?
2: I would agree totally, yeah. And the cool thing is, is you do those parallels, then just that synergy between the departments. You don't get those kind of the infighting aspect. And that first day, let them see all those other departments too. Let them meet those people.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Well, thank you very much, Garrett. This has been a ton of great information and definitely something I'll come back to and listen over and over again and pound those themes into my head until we get it right um, with with my company. So thank you very much for that. And I think we should close it out now. The listeners know every episode ends with a motivational quote and a favorite business book that you'd like to share with everyone. So why don't you uh, share those with us right now?
2: Well, my quote is from myself. Um, this is one several years back, and it just became a visual to me. It's about its goals. It's like having your headlights on because you know where you're going. Goals. It's like having your headlights on because you know where you're going. So set a goal. Set a goal how you want your hiring process, and then you go after it and get it. And then I'm gonna have to do two books because I got one that I love. You talked about being on the bus. The Energy Bus is a great book by John Gordon, simple, easy fable. It's about, you know, the energy vampires and the people that bring energy to it. It's all about that attitude. You get a chance to read that book. The other one that's so neat is Darren Hardy just um, created the Entrepreneur Roller Coaster. And I knew you were going to have a lot of entrepreneurs on here. That is a great book. Darren has a mission over the next three years to onboard 10 million additional entrepreneurs and just think how that could change our economy and change our country if we had 10 million more entrepreneurs that come on board. And it kind of tells you about the entrepreneur roller coaster because it's a ride. Every one of us out there that's done the entrepreneur, I'm kind of on that journey myself again now because I started a new business three years ago, kind of on that new ride, and I realized it is a journey. It's not a destination.
0: Pretty cool. Thanks, Gary, for sharing that. And I will, listeners, as you're accustomed to, have all that information on our website, including Gary's contact information, which I'd like you to share with us now. So if the listeners are interested in what you've shared with us today, they can get in contact with you and and learn how to connect with your services.
2: Yep. Our company is Ascend Business Strategies. It's A-S-C-E-N-D, Business Strategies. And we try to help people kind of reach their peak. The only thing that I said, um, I realized a few years, about 10 years ago, that guess what? It's lonely at the top. It's a lot more fun when you bring others to the top with you. And that's the reason we kind of have the business name, Ascend Business Strategies. And you can go to www.goascend.com. Dot biz. And our website, be able to reach our website. We've got a weekly blog. I put out a video blog weekly. Um, a lot of different topics there you're more than welcome to look at. And then we are going to be coming out with in the month of June, the uh, success in hiring kind of a framework. Um, that framework that I talked about, which we'll share the framework with you. Um, but we're going to be coming out with a program that we're going to offer in I'll have you, Josh, kind of give them more information about that as we start to launch that and maybe something that someone's looking at, some help in getting there because I always like to, how can I learn a little bit quicker and this is one of those things that we've decided to put together to help people in this process of not just hiring someone but having success in hiring.
0: Perfect. Sounds good, Gary. And we'll definitely keep an ear and an eye out for that in June, you said, or this summer. So that's... That's something worth checking out when that comes out. And listeners, I encourage you, if you're listening to this in your car or truck, uh, visit therestorationnation.com, and I'll have links to all Gary's stuff there where you can go back, visit it, re-listen to the episode, and then check out his products as well. So Gary Wilbers with Ascend Business Strategies, thank you for joining us here today. We had a lot of fun and definitely learned a lot, and I hope to have you on the show again sometime.
2: Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it immensely.
0: Thanks, Gary. We appreciate it. And listeners, thanks as always for your time. And we'll see you again next week. Thank you.
1: Education. Collaboration. Motivation. You've just listened to the Restoration Nation podcast. Make sure to visit www.therestorationnation.com for show notes, resources, and other valuable content. Visit the Contact Us page to provide feedback, request an interview, or inquire about sponsorship. Thank you for spending time with the Restoration Nation.